So Psalm 58, my uh, uh, subtitle says, The Just Judgment of the Wicked. Um, wickedness needs to be judged. You know, that's uh, before we get into this, you know, if we, you look at our world, um, there's a, a movie that came out. Many of us went on Monday to watch it called The Sound of Freedom. <clears throat> and it is depicting uh, what is happening in this world regarding child sex slavery. And very, very difficult movie to watch. Very powerful movie to watch. Um, uh, opening the eyes of um, the world to this great wickedness that is in the world. You know, a wickedness that those who are doing it believe they're getting away with. They, they think, hey, we're under the radar. We're not getting caught. And it got to the point where it's depicting, and this happens in the world, um, where people are being led away, and they're, they're allowing their children to be taken to, hey, this person, this child might be the world's next big pop star. Or they might be you know, a model. They might be this or that. And they are promising them, you know, uh, hey, your kid's going to have you know, potentially a great life. We just... Uh, you know, like to be able to do a photo shoot and, you know, build a, a profile for them and get them all set and we'll see how that ends up working. And uh, they go and they take the picture and um, parents go to pick up the kids and they're gone. Most of them never to be seen again. And they're sold into slavery, sex slavery. They're, they're used and abused multiple times a day, every day. And um, that is a great wickedness. That exists in, in uh, this world and in this country. And uh, for, for us to not be aware of it or just to act like it doesn't uh, exist is, is awful. You know, we need to understand this exists. Keep our eyes open. You see something weird like that doesn't look right, then do something about it. It might be the only chance that child has to be saved. I'm not saying go tackle everybody at, you know, a store or whatever. But we see something that looks way off, something that doesn't look right, a kid that looks like they are there in need or, or those things. <clears throat> there is a, a great wickedness in that. And that's not the only wickedness. You know, there, you, you, any of us, you probably, we all, probably each have our own wickedness that's popping into our head right now that's prevalent. Wickedness is the opposite of God, what God requires. God requires holiness. Be holy. Uh, as I am holy, right? And the only way we can do that is by the cleansing blood of Christ and his Holy Spirit living in us, that we might please him. But wickedness has to be judged. And because God is a just judge, uh, he has to judge it. So as we look into this and we understand that that's what's being described here as David is writing this, about a wickedness that needs to be judged and not ignored, Verse, verse 1, Psalm 58 says, Do you indeed speak righteousness, you silent ones? Do you judge uprightly, you sons of men? No, in heart you work wickedness. You weigh out the violence of your hands in the earth. As I said, this world is uh, extremely wicked and uh, it is in rebellion to its creator. You know, we, we have been created by a loving God. And uh, it's, it's funny that in the days that we live, 
anybody who would speak out against wickedness and unrighteousness is considered a bigot. You know, who are you to judge? You just need to keep your mouth shut. Let me do what I'm going to do. You do what you want to do, right? That you, I'll do me, you know, uh, you do you, you know, is a, is a popular statement right now. Well, you doing you, uh, and if I, we say nothing about it, and we don't warn them, are we really doing what we should be doing, or are we remaining silent? You know, especially if we're speaking up for those who have no voice. Think of what this state is doing right now. You know, the state is, that, that our governor put forth a, an extremely wicked bill to be able to terminate a pregnancy, to abort a child, to murder a child up to full term. Full term. I mean, my goodness. And to know that the state house was packed with believers, Christians down there, speaking voices, churches praying, you know, voicing, crying out to God or voicing our opinion in front of our lawmakers. That's that's what we are to do. We can't turn a blind eye to that and act like we don't know what's happening and have nothing to say about it and be like, huh, what can I do about it? That type of complacency is wrong. You know, we have to we have to have a, a mindset that that we are re, when we read something like this. This is an indictment, you know, on the wicked. It's also an indictment on those who don't oppose the sin. You know, think think about what we just read in there in those first two verses. Verse three says, "The wicked are estranged from the womb; they go astray as soon as they are born, speaking lies." What he what he's saying here is that the that the, the wickedness starts immediately and that they are going to move in that direction in their life. Their poison is like the poison of a serpent. They are like deaf, like the deaf cobra that stops its ear. The, the stubborn uh, approach to sin. I'm going to do it. And there's nothing that, that's going to stop me from doing it. Where he's talking about being estranged from the womb, that the, the the departed heart from the Lord, even at at the start, from the start, you know, when and he's going back all the way to to birth, that, that as soon as they were to come out, the wickedness starts. You know, we we are born sinners. We have a, a, a sinful nature that needs to be rejected and needs to be brought into um, submission to God's will. And uh, as that progresses, if it's not stopped, uh, where it says in verse 4, their poison is like the poison of a serpent. Uh, they are like deaf cobra that stops its ear. You know, you think about stopping your ears. Remember uh, in, in our uh, morning study, Sunday morning study, uh, when Stephen was preaching the truth. And uh, what, what do the religious leaders do when they're confronted by the truth and their hearts are, are they're cut to the heart because they know what he's saying is true? You know, we saw earlier that Israel, when they heard this in Acts chapter 2, the response was, oh my goodness, you know, men and brethren, what do we do? And Peter said, you know, repent all of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. That's a proper response to what is what is wrong when we see what is wrong, the wickedness that's being confronted. The opposite side of that was uh, in Acts chapter 7, as Peter, uh, sorry, when Stephen was just pouring out his heart and preaching you know, uh, the bark off these guys and what, how they responded uh, to hearing uh, the message of their stubbornness and their rebellion and their murderous hearts was they prove him right. And they do exactly what he's accusing them of. They plug their ears. Literally, they stop their ears. They're gnashing at him with their tongues, they're, they're, with their teeth. They're, they're yelling at him. 
and they're stopping their ears and they run and they don't want to hear him say anything else and they drag him out and stone him to death. You know, that stopping of the ears, you know, I, I don't want to hear anything you have to say. Um, it does, that doesn't make like the, the wickedness less bad, right? You know, have you ever been in the spot where you know you're wrong and you don't want somebody to tell you? <laughs> right? We've been there and it's like, I don't want to know anymore. The more I know, the more accountable I am, right? You know, we should be grateful when we are lovingly corrected. Um, you know, David here, though, David is the king of Israel. So when, when David starts saying here what we're going to look at, uh, specifically looking into, uh, let's look at verse 5, sorry, uh, which will not, the, the, the cobra uh, that stops its ear, uh, which will not heed the voice of the charmers, charming ever so skillfully. You guys ever watch somebody do that? They're playing the music and they're messing with, what are they doing? I have no idea. I want nothing to do with any of that. I'm not, um, I say I'm not, uh, I'm not, I, I can see a snake and I could even like touch it, but I want nothing to do with it. The, I told you guys at the school, they brought out, some guy brought out a bunch of exotic pets and you know, he's got like a scorpion there. He's like, you want to hold it? No, I don't want to hold it. <laughs> right. You know, and I'm looking over and this girl's got a snake wrapped around her neck and, uh, and they're like, oh yeah, look, yeah, I think can squeeze the life right out of you. You know, it's not just this cute little kitten you're holding in your hands, right? You know, when you, you look at these these things. I don't understand. It, I, I think it's cool that somebody can do that. And I was offered to hold. I think it was, it was a tarantula he asked me if I wanted to hold. Absolutely not. <laughs> no, I don't want to hold that. Spiders are the things for me that I, I just hate the fact that something can, like, covert op me and just come down. Uh, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> You know, that, that, that Mission Impossible thing on the Descender, just, right? I've had that happen to me at work, uh, you know, years ago, um, and uh, my, my old job, and uh, been sitting there, and I'm, I, 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 I've gotten better. Um, I just, the thought of spiders crawling over you, I don't want it crawling on me. Yeah, I just, I, I've never been one where like, oh, yeah, let's look at it, or anything like that. Uh so when I see a spider, I'm, you know, as long as I've got a, you know, a good distance and we respect each other, I'm good. But, but when they cross the line, you know, they cross the line when they come down, then they jump me and they're right here, you know, right next to my face. That's it. Life's over for them. They've, 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 you know, uh, they've done the stunt that, you know, they shouldn't have been doing. You know, they've the evil can evil. The the spider is now gone. You know, it's just none of those things. I don't understand the charming the the, the cobra. But I wouldn't want to have anything to do with it. But David is, is talking about this wickedness that won't be turned from. <clears throat> verse 6. Now this uh, necessarily, when you look at verses 6 through 8, uh, not like a really popular uh, thing to, to really hope for, for, you know, when we consider, okay, so the opposite of this would be, when Jesus said, love your enemies, pray for those that are against you, you know, those, that type of thing. This is the ruler of a nation that's asking God to judge those that are in opposition to the nation of Israel even existing. So he's got a different prayer. I mean, for us, we could have a personal enemy, a personal uh, somebody that's that's hurt us that we can reconcile that we can we can say, hey, you've done this and we need to talk about all this. And, and this is where we're at. And I can forgive you, but I need to know everything. Like, where did this start from? Uh, you know, how has it grown and why did we get to this point? An enemy of a nation is like they're trying to kill, especially in those days, they're trying to wipe you off the face of the earth. 
Like they don't even want Israel existing. So when David is writing something like this, when you consider in verse 6, it says, break their teeth in their mouth, O God. You guys ever had a chipped tooth? I had a chipped tooth when I was a kid. I was at Jamie Langloy's house uh, in uh, the town site in Bucksport. And that's where they built. Um, you guys are from Bucksport. You know the town site. Um, uh, and it was mostly houses that were built for, for mill workers to buy. And they they were all kind of like the same house. They might, you know, the next door neighbor might have the like the 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 flip side of your uh, I don't even the the reverse image of your house. So you know, you walk in, your kitchen might be on the left. You walk in there, the kitchen might be on the right. You know that type of uh, you know modeled homes. And uh, but I remember being at Jamie Langlois' house, and something happened. I fell and I cracked one of these teeth, uh, my two front teeth there. And man, did that hurt when that air hit that tooth. Wow. You know, and it's more special when you're a kid, you're scared and everything. But man, just to breathe, I was just, you know, covering it with my tooth, right? I didn't, it's because that nerve is exposed, right? Just to have a broken tooth. If you've had a broken tooth, you know that pain, right? David is saying, break their teeth in their mouth, oh God. Break out the fangs of the young lions. You know, a young lion, you know, when they kill something, they're sinking their teeth into it, right? Like debilitate them from being able to, you know, just sink their teeth in and, and, and crush here. You know, this is this is what David is saying. He's praying for judgment to come on his enemies. Break the, the fangs out of the young lions, O Lord. Let them flow away as waters which run continually, you know, that they would disappear. You know, as the, the water it doesn't stay right there. It's just they're gone and forgotten about. Right. <clears throat> Uh, uh, when he bends his bow, let his arrows be as if uh, cut in pieces. You know, you consider an arrow. Um, I, I was talking to my brother-in-law. He's a big archer, loves loves archery. And you, you guys all know, like, the the Robin Hood shot, right? If, if I say that, do you guys know what I mean? Where you split another arrow in two? And I was talking about it. Like, yeah, he's like, I hate it when I do that. I'm like... What do you mean? He's like, because then I gotta go buy two more arrows because it destroys two of them. To me, that's like the coolest thing. But for him, he's like, yeah, that's great. But now I'm down two arrows, you know. And because one of them shredded, it it explodes. You know that that type of arrow that's in pieces is no good to you. You know, he what he's saying is, is make their defenses and their offense uh, nothing. Let them, you know, when 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 they are uh, when they're trying to. Uh, to attack, make them nothing. I shouldn't have said their defenses. I meant their offenses. Make their offense nothing, that they can't do anything. Let them be like a snail, which melts away as it goes. You ever watched a snail and the little trail of slime? That's what he's saying for these guys. Make them like the slime from a snail's trail. You're right. I mean, that's okay. Maybe he saw one like slithering by as he's right. I don't know, but um, you know, that's, uh, you know, cause eventually it just kind of goes away and it's nothing, right? Like a stillborn child of a woman that they may not see the sun that they, as, as though they weren't even born. I mean, David isn't talking about pleasantries. He's not praying for his enemy. He's the king of the nation. He needs that enemy destroyed because they're trying to destroy them. So when he's crying out to the Lord for this, he's asking for victory against them that they would be victorious against them versus the opposite. It continues, verse uh, verse 9, Before your pots can feel the burning thorns, 
uh, he shall take them away as a whirlwind and in his living and burning wrath. Uh, that's a, that's another one I don't want to exist. You know, those thorns that are put around the pot to burn. What he's talking about is that stuff that you would put around, you know, that all that is is kindling, right? You know, you want something to burn and then uh, to, to heat up whatever's going. He, he wants them to be like that. That means nothing. It's not like we go and we pick it up after it's like it disintegrates, right? It burns up and, and uh, it gets hot really quick and, and, uh, and, it's a, and then it's gone. Thorns, uh, he shall take them away as with a whirlwind and uh, as in his living and burning wrath. None of us want God's living and burning wrath. That's the scariest thing we can look at. Living and burning wrath of God. No, thank you. <laughs> you know, if there's going to be something that would lead us to repentance, it's do you want this or do you want grace and mercy? You know, those, those two things, the living uh, you know, wrath, uh, living in burning wrath of God is something that I guarantee you nobody really wants. Nobody wants the wrath of God. They may not submit to God or they may not believe that or may, they may hope that God's still going to be gracious and merciful, uh, although there's a, they stand in rejection of him. But that's the scariest thing ever is the living and burning wrath of God. The righteous shall rejoice when he sees the vengeance. He shall wash his feet in the blood of the of the wicked. And David didn't like these people. You know, if, if that's not, you know, uh, hasn't been clear uh, so far, you know, look at what he says. The righteous shall rejoice when he sees the vengeance. Uh, he shall wash his feet in the blood of the wicked. <laughs> you know, I, that's a, that's, Wow. <laughs> Wash his feet in the blood. That's a pretty bold statement. You know, David, what David is saying is this wickedness is so great that he just wants God to wipe them out. Wants they, nothing to do with them. Verse 11, so that men will say, surely there is a reward for the righteous. Surely he is God who judges the earth. Look at verse 11. So then men will, that men will say, surely there's a reward for the righteous. There is a reward for us seeking the Lord. We know that as we stand in Christ's righteousness, we have a reward waiting for us. We don't deserve that reward, but it's there, you know, and uh, I'm not going to argue with the Lord. I mean, if my reward was like, hey, I get to be the guy that's the doorkeeper in heaven. Perfect. You know, you need me to sweep the floors? Awesome. I'll mop the floor. I'll, whatever. I'm in God's presence. Doesn't matter. That's where I want to be. You know, when when you when we can look at that and understand that the Lord has a reward for those that are righteous, the ones that would turn and say, I don't want to live that way, mostly because it's an offense to God, right? Remember when David committed his sin with Bathsheba? And, and he said, against you only have I sinned? You know that we he what he's saying is I'm accountable to you only, right? That that accountability is to God. You know he wasn't accountable to Bathsheba and Uriah is gone. You know against only you only have I sinned. You know that that uh, the mindset of understanding who God is and that He demands for us to turn to Him and and to live righteous lives. Consider. Uh, consider uh, Micah six eight. He has shown you a man what is good, uh, that that you would uh, that you would um, 
Now I'm now going to forget it. Uh, that you would uh, seek justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Right? Seek justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. Somebody was saying it too. Somebody had that memorized. Was that you, Amanda? <laughs> yes. Seek justice, love mercy, walk humbly with our God. That's what we're called to do. Live just lives that we that we would treat people fairly. That that uh, we would you know when it talks about when the scriptures talk about God hates on uh, um, a dishonest scales, right? Because it's 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 a secret wickedness, right? Because whoever's buying whatever's on the other side of those scales trusts that they're right, and for somebody to 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 unrighteously and and wickedly trick you into spending more money so they can. It's stealing. It's a, it's a dishonesty of heart that, that's there. God wants us to do justly, to, to, uh, to, uh, but to uh, do justly, uh, seek mercy. Uh, thank you. He's shown you, a man, uh, what is good, uh, that, that you would do justly, uh, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God, right? That, that right there, if, if that's like the model of our lives, we're good to go. Because we're walking with the Lord, we're doing justly, we're pleasing Him by how we live, that we would love mercy that we've accepted and that we're giving mercy and walk humbly with our God. Just, I'm going to live out my days just humbly walking with God, seeking Him, glorifying Him, and, and sharing Him. You know, that's, that's what God, God really wants uh, from, from us. Surely He is God who judges in the earth. You know, we, uh, he is the perfect judge. And this, uh, this world and this nation uh, will stand and answer uh, for uh, the rebellion against him. Not, it's, it's not, this, this, uh, there's this weird thing that, that has happened in this nation where people think they need to carry out the judgment. We need to get this thing going. No, you don't. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, right? We're not, we're not like, no, God does what he wants to do, and God will deal with uh, the wickedness that's in this world. That's, that's his job to do. We are, are called to speak against it and to preach the word and say this is wrong, but we're not the judge. You know, that, I always love that response. Stop judging. You're not supposed to judge. Like everybody, everybody in the world knows that. You know, they'll say that. Uh, in response to Christianity, judge not, judge not. Don't, don't you dare judge me. Like, no, I'm called to be a fruit inspector and I'm not judging you. What I'm telling you is I know who the judge is. I know him personally, and I don't want you to meet him in his judgment. Turn from it, right? That's, that's, that's the heart. So when you're looking at this from a personal standpoint, we shouldn't want somebody who has wronged us personally to go through these things. But David, as the, the, the ruler of a nation that's standing against those that wants to murder them, David is praying this, God, just take care of them. Wipe them off the face of the earth. You know, when you consider some of Israel's um, people that they've dealt with that would come from behind as they're, they're, they're coming out of Egypt and attack all the, the, the weak ones, the slow-moving ones, you know, or attack at night and and just just taking them out. You know that wickedness need to be dealt with. And he prayed that God would deal with it. You know, personally, when someone's wrong for us, we uh, see uh, in Matthew five. Yeah, pray for them, you know, and, and watch God just do the work. Separate yourselves from them. You know, do what we can. That's a, a great way. But God will take care of everything. 
you know, and, and hopefully we get to a point where there's some reconciliation and there's healing and forgiveness. But David was taking this very seriously, his job as king very seriously, and praying to God, seeking God, and asking him to deliver them from their enemies. Psalm 59. Now, uh, to set the tone for what we're looking at, would you please turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 19. 1 Samuel 19, verse 11. I should have sticky notes. Oliver has that all figured out. I'm always so amazed at his system, but it works. He's got tabs everywhere, and he's got everything he needs on there. I don't know. I just grab my Bible and start ruffling through it. All I had to do is if I put a tab there, was turn the page over, but I don't know. <clears throat> so 1 Samuel 19, Saul persecuting David. Uh, we have talked about it often. Uh, he did this a lot. You know, he, he knew that David uh, was anointed to be king after he was stripped of uh, being king, and, and uh, Samuel lets him know that. But uh, in this specific spot, Saul is, is persecuting David. And uh, what Psalm 59 is written about is uh, it was written uh, when Saul sent men that they watched his house and they were waiting to kill him. Uh, so Saul, uh, he did several way things. I mean, he tried to straight right out, straight, just tried to stick him to a wall with a spear, right? Uh, he chased him around in the wilderness and trying to corner him. And uh, he's taking a, a pretty bold and straightforward approach here um, where he says, you know what? I'm going to just send guys to his house. And uh, as soon as he comes out, they'll just kill him. So they've got David uh, sitting in there uh, in his house. Verse 11 says, Saul also sent messengers to David's house to watch him and to kill him in the morning. And Michal, uh, who is Saul's daughter, uh, David's wife, told him, saying, if you, do, if you do not save your life tonight, tomorrow you will be killed. So Michal uh, let David down through a window, and he went and fled and escaped. And Michael to, uh, took an image and laid it in the bed, uh, put a cover of goat's hair uh, for its head, and covered it with clothes. So when Saul's messengers, uh, so, so when Saul sent messengers to David, she said, He is sick. Then uh, Saul sent the messengers back to see David, saying, Bring him up. To me in the bed that I may kill him. So uh, this is a, a pretty interesting. Uh, well, let's just uh, let's read to seventeen. And when the messengers had come in, there was the image in the bed with a cover of goat's hair for his head. Then Saul said to Michal, "Why have you deceived me like this and sent my enemy away so that he has escaped?" And Michal answered Saul. He said to me, let me go. Why should I kill you? Which is not accurate. But when we're looking at the, the situation as a whole, Saul has sent men there uh, to just kill David. As soon as he walks outside, just stab him, take him out. Just, uh, just kill him. 
Michal knew this, and she tells David, you know, that, that you, need, you need to go. So she let David down uh, through a window, and he escaped. Now, uh, David became quite an escape artist, didn't he? You know, he'd run into a, a cave and hide in there. Or he had his good friend Jonathan let him know when he needed to escape, right? And he's shooting arrows, and Jonathan gave him that, like, hey, you need to get out of here. Uh, you know, they had some code words between the two. Like, hey, if I talk to the kid that's going to get my arrows and I say this, then you're good. But if I tell him to keep going, that means you need to keep going. You know, so David David understood what it was to flee and, and he learned really well. So here's his wife letting him down. This is She's doing this to protect her husband from her father. So when uh, after she lets him down, you know, she grabs an image and... and you know, does the, the whole Ferris Bueller thing, right? Right? And, and, you know, 80s kids, you'll remember, right? You know, there's this fake statue that, you know, and he had the sound things and no, I'm not endorsing the movie at all. But I'm just saying, that's what comes to mind when I think of it, right? Because he had sound things going and he had this, you know, contraption where as soon as the door opened, it would roll over and it would sound like he's snoring. She's doing the same thing, only with, you know, the, the household image. Uh, that's there, and you know she's put goat's hair on. Here's another thing of goat's hair, right? You know when we consider what David did to, to I, excuse me, what Jacob did to Isaac, you know, uh, and is you know imitating his his brother Red, uh, you know <laughs> the hairy guy. I mean, uh, David is Red, uh, but uh, you know the 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 hairy guy, you know the goat's hair. But again. Um, you know, she she tries to pull the wool over, uh, and it's funny because here they are, they're going to kill him, and they knock on the door, and they're like, where's David? He's sick. And they're like, all right, let's go back and tell him. That's not, you were sent to kill the guy. You're not supposed to, yeah, he's sick. We can't kill him. <laughs> you know, like, like, think about it, right? No, he, he just wasn't feeling well, so he's going to eat some, you know, chicken noodle soup right now. We thought it might be inconvenient. You know, Saul's like, you idiots, right? You know, and, and uh, we see what's happening. But I love, I, I don't love Saul's response, but you see the seriousness of him. He's like, drag him here in his bed. Like, you guys, are, you can hear him calling him idiots in the middle of that. I don't care if you have to drag his bed here. We're going to get this done. So that's when, when we're getting into uh, uh, Psalm 59. We can go back to that. This is, this is what's being discussed is, uh, you know, Saul crying out to the Lord. He just had to have his wife let him out of a window and let him down, right? <clears throat> Verse uh, 1 of Psalm 59 says, Deliver me from my enemies, O my God. Defend me from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from the workers of iniquity and save me from bloodthirsty men. For look, they lie in wait for my life. The mighty gather against me. Not for my transgression nor my sin, O Lord. They run and prepare themselves through no fault of mine. So David's saying, these guys want to kill me for no reason. You know that, Lord. So when he's saying, Lord, please deliver me, defend me from these people, they're just workers of iniquity and they're bloodthirsty. They just want to kill me for Saul. You know, and, and, and Saul, uh, Saul sends them and, and they've got the, the, the one thing they need to do. And those orders are just to kill David. And David uh, just, and he's right. He says in verse three, for look, they lie in wait for my life. The mighty gather against me, not for my transgression, nor my sin, O Lord. David's saying, you know, if I had done something, you know, worthy of death, uh, but he's saying, I haven't done anything. These guys are just uh, trying to take my life. They run and prepare themselves 
through no fault of mine. You know, of uh, you know, maybe we've been the people where you've been on the other side of it, and like I never, I didn't do anything wrong, right? You guys ever, you guys ever, you know, uh, tried to pitch that to your parent when you knew you were wrong? I didn't do anything. I didn't do it. Usually, it's the kid that says, you know, I didn't do anything, right? You know, because there's the guilty conscience there. And like, if I tell them that, they'll believe me. No, right? <laughs> it's usually not the case. There are, there are times where you say, I, because, uh, you know, when the other kid, I, I, I do these things um, uh, in sibling. I grew up, I was one of five. So this was prevalent in our family, right? Is the one that cries and you're like, I didn't do it. Oh, yes, you did. Come here. And you, you come over like, you know. Your, your brother didn't shoot himself in the finger, right? Uh, you know, it, it's that type of thing, right? Actually, no, my brother didn't do it. My cousin did that. Um, I had to have surgery on my finger to get the, the – but that was my own fault. That was stupidity. Uh, anyway, uh, no, my brother uh, my brother tripped me, and I've got a gash. I've, I still have the scar. Ashley, my daughter, has a matching scar on the other side. So if you're fans of G.I. Joe growing up as kids, they like I think one had a patch on one eye. Uh, the evil twin brothers, one had one patch and one eye. So Natalie, uh, Ashley and I have matching things. Um, uh, hers was just from slipping on the ice. Mine was my brother tripping me. And when I, I fell, I hit the corner of a TV and just, I was always, the, I was the kid, right, in my family that would come in after I just got shot or, um, you know, I, I had, uh, you know, three uh, injuries to my head that required stitches. So I was the one that would come in with the blood curdling, blood pouring down my head uh, and the scream and my mom just freaking out and, and uh, oh, we got to go to the health center and get you. I, I was that kid, right? But you know there was somebody else involved, right? There, there, there's always that. that uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't even remember how things worked out for my brother, but it didn't. Uh, I'm sure it didn't go well for him. But uh, uh, either that or it was just one of those things like, okay, that was bad. That was really bad. You saw what happened. Don't ever do that. But but what David is saying here is I'm, I'm innocent. You know that they're after me, Lord, so I'm coming to you uh, in, in his own righteousness in this, in this situation saying, God, you know they're not after me for a good reason. And uh, would you please uh, act on my behalf and help me? Now, verse 5, it says, awake to help me and behold. It's not like God was sleeping. He's asking for God's active attention to be placed on him in his situation. It's not like God's just snoozing. He's like, you know, trying to knock on the door loud enough so God will listen. So, uh, you know, when you read that, don't uh, don't get, uh, you know, derailed or anything there. Verse uh, verse five. Sorry, that was the end of four. Verse five. You, therefore, O God, O Lord, God of hosts, the God of Israel, awake to punish all the nations. Do not uh, be merciful to any wicked transgressors. At evening, they return, they growl like a dog, and go all around the city. Indeed, they belch with their mouth, swords are in their lips, uh, are in their lips, uh, for they say, who hears? You know, when you, uh, when you look at this, he's, David is also, as he's writing this, he's thinking about, hey, I remember that time, and, and God, please save me from there. But he's also talking about the, the enemies that might surround them also when he's talking about the nations. So there's, uh, and just like you'll see in a song, right? Some, some people that are gifted songwriters, there's sometimes extra. It's not just this, this one thing that they're dealing with. It's also this too, and they can tie that in. Uh, and that's what we see going on here. Verse 8, but you, O Lord, shall laugh at them. You shall have all the nations in derision. I will wait for you 
O Lord. Uh, I will wait for you, O Lord, his strength, or that can be my strength, um, for God is my defense. My God of mercy shall come uh, to meet me. God shall let me see my desire on my enemies. He's, he's fully trusting that as he makes the petition to the Lord, uh, that God is going to carry out what he's asking and give him victory uh, over uh, his enemies. Now, he, he declares here uh, that the Lord is his, uh, is his strength, uh, that God is his defense, and the God of, uh, my God of mercy shall come to meet me. Our God of mercy. Guys, that's so great, <laughs> right? Isn't it that we could call him our God of mercy? You know, when you think of the world's uh, religious systems and what they'll serve, um, you know, when it, something as, as crazy as, and I, I learned this, you know, the, the people that are dirt poor will take their money and what they owe and they'll pour, they'll buy milk and pour it out so to appease the rats so that they don't, you know, get the wrath of rats in their lives. Isn't that crazy? Like they're poor, they're dirt poor, they have nothing. But what they'll do is they'll take uh, whatever money they have and they'll buy milk and pour it out and treat, you know, treat the, the rats nicely, you know, trying to earn some kind of favor. I'm so glad God is not like that. The true creator of this universe, one that loves us, that gave his son for us, is a God of mercy that we can just trust in his mercy and cry out for it. You know, that's what David's asking for. He's asking for mercy, that, that God would cover him in, in his mercy. My God of mercy shall come to meet me. God shall let me see my desire on my enemies. Verse 11, do not slay them, lest my people forget. Scatter them uh, by your power and bring them down, O Lord, our shield. He's like, don't. Uh, we want them scattered. We, I want the people to see them scattering and running, not not just in, in fear. I want to see them being spread out rather than just dying. You know, I want I want the the people to be able to uh, to see, lest my people forget. Scatter them uh, by your power and bring them down, O Lord, our shield, the one that would protect. You know, if you want protection, there's no greater protection than God's protection. You know, facing a situation uh, in life where you're like, I just I I need the and uh, you know this might be uh, this might be uh, going to confront a boss. You know, God, just be the shield of my my life. You know, before I go in and I confront, you know, this situation, it might be, you know, I got to deal with this. Lord, would you please protect me in this? Not necessarily always just the the personal, like the uh, the physical protection that we all desire. We want God to preserve our lives and, and the lives of our loved ones and those things. But sometimes it's be our shield in a situation that's intimidating to us that we can go to God and ask him to be the one that would stand between us and those that might do something uh, and, and stand there as a hedge between us, as a shield. Verse 12, for the sin of their mouth and the words of their lips, let them uh, even uh, be taken in their pride and for the cursing and lying which they speak. You know, uh, you know pride comes before destruction, right? Their, their pride that they have here. And he's saying, you know what? They can be prideful. Uh, they can say what they want, Lord, uh, but hold them accountable. Verse 13, consume them in wrath, consume them that they may not be, that they may not be, uh, and let them 
know that God rules in Jacob to the ends of the earth. What he's saying is, you know, God glorify yourself in taking care of our enemy. Wipe them out that you would get the glory. He's not saying that, that everybody would know that David is king. Right. What he says here is uh, that uh, and let them know that God rules in Jacob. That means in Israel. Right. Jacob, uh, his name was changed from heel snatcher to governed by God. And, and that uh, that the anybody who would oppose them is opposing God. Verse 14. And at evening they return. They growl like a dog and go all around the city. They wander up and down for food and they howl and are not satisfied. That's what he's talking about. They're like dogs. They're running up and down the road. They're howling. They're returning. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're growling. I mean, that's that, that type of dog that's, that's uneasy and running up and down. That's it. He's comparing them to that. You know, these are dangerous. You know, a dog that's acting in that manner, you don't want to be around it, right? You know, I, it, that type of dog needs to get put down. Unfortunately, you know, for the old canine, that's what ends up happening to him, right? My brother had a dog that uh, it was uh, um, it was a, cha a black lab, and uh, uh, they loved the dog and everything. But man, for some reason, he was aggressive for no reason. You know, there was no. He wasn't beat. He was brought up in a loving home and everything. But man, sometimes very unpredictable, and uh, you just didn't know uh, what was going on. And uh, I remember walking into my brother's house, and as we're walking in, you know, I see the dog. Hi, Hunter. How are you doing? And I'm like going to pet him, and he jumps and snaps, and I just pulled my face away. Whoa! And my brother came in and you know took him right out, and it was you know within a week or so he had to be put down. He's like, I don't know what that was. And then he bit one of their friends, and he's like, what is going on with this dog? And uh, so they had to put it down. You know, I, uh, my, I, this isn't just story time with John. I'm sorry, but, um, you know, you know, they're dangerous. You know, my, my, uh, I, uh, my older sister um, had, uh, she loved Rottweilers. And uh, <laughs> you know, right, Beth? I uh, loved Rottweilers. And I, I love Rottweilers. I, my, my, uh, my, both of my brothers have had them. My sister had them, and, um, and uh, they're great dogs as long as they're raised in a, in a good home. You guys know, you know, you can't just look at every pit bull and think it's gonna maul anybody or whatever. But, but man, there was one of them that was beaten, and that dog just he was he never settled down, and his name was Kaiser. And uh, he, he bit me right in the butt as a kid, <laughs> right, right, right on like, like right here, kind of on the, the, the butt and on the back here and everything. Cause I was trying, you know, their two dogs are fighting, they're growling and everything. And I'm trying to run in the other direction. And, uh, and he, they were like, Oh, maybe he was trying to grab your shirt. I'm like, I don't know. He just bit me. I don't care what he was trying to do. Right. David is comparing these people to these type of dogs, right? These dogs need to be taken out. You know, they don't, they're, they're just, they're not good for anything. They're just going to hurt people and do these types of, of things. They wander up and down for food and howl uh, if they're not satisfied. You know, he's talking about these bloodthirsty people acting like these, these unpredictable and these aggressive dogs is what he's comparing them to. Verse 16, but I will sing of your power. Yes, I will sing aloud of your mercy in the morning, for you have been my defense and refuge in the day of my trouble. To you, O my strength, I will sing praises, for God is my defense, my God of mercy. There it comes again, my God of mercy. 
So David presents his petition to the Lord, and then he goes into praise, trusting and knowing that God was going to take care of everything. Let's read this, read 16, 17 again. It says, but I will sing of your power. Yes, I will sing aloud of your mercy in the morning. Sing aloud of your mercy, right? You know, I, I, I think uh, especially uh, if we live in Maine and we're stoic here, um, I mean, I've never really, I don't know that I've ever met, met that mold. I've been always been kind of outgoing and want to talk and, and those things, but Maine, man, we're, we're rough and, you know, it's a stoic, uh, state, man. you know, you'd rather, rather like give somebody a head nod than give them a hug. If you even, I've even seen them in 20 years, right. That's just how it is here. Just rough. And, um, you know, that we, we might not be willing to be very vocal, you know, when something good happens, might be like, yes. Or, you know, you know, just go home. And, you know, but this is talking about a bold outward praise in the morning where he's saying here, I will sing aloud of your mercy in the morning. David's a musician. And this is how he, he would praise God was with his pen. And, with it, and then he'd pick up his stringed instruments and he'd sing to God, right? Because he, he was a, a shepherd. And he'd be out there shepherding the flock and he'd have his music and Da, 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 playing, you know, probably sounded better than that, but you know he's doing his thing, right? He's playing, and uh, he understood music. And what he's saying is, is God has stirred you. You stir up a song in my heart, and I'm going to sing it aloud. Uh, I'm going to sing aloud of your mercy in the morning, guys. If we want to start our day off right, thank God for His mercy, right? You know, I, I think we take His mercy for granted. I really do. Um, and his grace, I, 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 you know, that we, we might easily forget. But if we realize every morning we wake up that we, I, we just, Lord, would you please cover me in your grace and your mercy, you know, and, and then we can sing of that mercy, right? Just being mindful of how merciful God is for us. Because you guys ever thought of time? I, uh, I thought of time differently when I was working overnight, right? Uh, and I said that I was living the vampire life. That's the way I described working nights, right, Casey? You know, because you're working, you're up, and you're running around while everybody else is sleeping. And when everybody else is sleeping, you're, uh, excuse me, when everybody else is awake, you're going to bed. You know, and you're sleeping through the daylight. That's how I did it. Some people will stay up in there and then sleep later on in the day. Either way, you're on a different schedule. So it kind of, you know, where the scriptures say God's mercies are new every morning, you know, your morning might be an afternoon, but it's the same. When we lay down our head and then we open our eyes again, God has, in his mercy, allowed us to live another day. We wake up and we start that new day fresh, right? His mercies are new every morning. Some, you know, know that when we go to bed, sometimes you guys have gone to bed, right? With a heavy heart, heavy mind, something about being able to, if you could sleep that night, just being able to close your eyes, you wake up and you just say, I don't want to go through that again. Whatever it is, God, thank you for preserving me. Help this day to be better than yesterday. Asking God for his mercy and his grace to cover us and help me along in this day. And it's singing of it, you know, that, that outward demonstration, being able to, you know, how you been and everything. You know, the, the you guys know the, 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 the canned response that's like the most popular ever now is living the dream, right? You guys ever said that, right? How you doing? Living the dream when you're not, right? You know, that's a sarcastic response, right? Most people are not living their whatever that dream was, right? Because if you're working and you're not on an island somewhere, you know, floating on a float and, you know, eating grapes and cheese or whatever you're eating, right? 
you know, that, then you're probably not living the dream, you know. But if we say, hey, you know, how you doing, man? I'm just, I'm good, man. I, uh, you know, God's good to me. He's blessed me. You know, that, that, that type of, you know, vocalizing, you know, the mercies of God and saying, you know what? I'm a blessed man. I'm a blessed woman. You know, I just, God's blessed me. People aren't expecting that. You know, they're not expecting that. And uh, maybe as we're living our lives and as a song to the Lord, when they hear that, it might be refreshing, you know, for us. To, because like I said, in Maine, we're not going to be running down the street singing out loud. That's just, we're Mainers. We're not going to do that. Can if you want. I think it'd be cool. But anyways, just just being vocal about the mercy of God and what he's done for us. And in verse 17, he says, To you, O my strength, I will sing praises, for God is my defense, my God of mercy. Sounds like a good song we need to write. My God of mercy, guys, right? My God of mercy. How are we doing on time? Let's go into 60. I do want to say, and I didn't even look at my notes here, uh, if you uh, by yourself or uh, want to look at Psalm 59, uh, you could break it up in this way. Uh, verses 1 through 7 would be a reminder to pray. Go to the Lord. Verses 8 through 15 are wait on the Lord. And verses 16 and 17 are sing to the Lord. Uh, so I, I went right by that and uh, uh, just wanted to share that. I think the Lord pointed that out for a good reason. So. Let's look at verse uh, uh, Psalm 60. I think it's a fairly short one. Psalm 60. Oh God, you have cast us off. You have broken us down. You have uh, been displeased. Oh, restore us again. You have made the earth tremble. You have broken it. Heal its branches for it's, it is shaking. You have shown your people hard things. You have made us drink the wine of confusion. You have given a banner to those who fear you, that it may uh, be displayed because of the truth, that your beloved may be delivered. Save with your right hand and hear me. So Israel had experienced uh, the correction of the Lord. And uh, David is, is writing about this correction that they had experienced uh, and uh, reflecting on, on what is being said here. You know, sometimes that correction is brutal and it's hard to go through. But we know that God chastens uh, him whom he loves. Uh, you know, so the, the chastening, the correction uh, that they have gone through wasn't, um, wasn't uh, enjoyable, but it was necessary. Uh, just like anybody who's correcting, uh, you know, a child, you know, an uncorrected child, what are they going to do? Keep doing what they're not supposed to be doing, right? Correction is necessary, uh, and and it need things need to be dealt with. Now, verse five says that your beloved may be delivered. Save with your right hand, and hear me. You know, when you look um, at, at, at verse 5, and then we'll, we'll also look at verse 11 and how they tie in here, but uh, consider Jeremiah 17, verse 5. Um, it says, Cursed is the man who trusts in men and makes flesh his strength, whose heart de uh, departs from the Lord. And it goes on to describe a parched shrub in the desert. 
you know, they can be comparable to that. That we would, instead of making God our strength, that we would trust in uh, anything else that's temporal, right? Some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, uh, but we make our trust in the Lord our God. You know, that that the uh, if we have departed and, and our hearts have been led astray, and we look at a verse like this, you, uh, that you, sorry, that you're delivered, uh, you're, oh my goodness, that you're beloved. It must be Sunday night, right? I, I did this last week too. My brain just starts getting jumbled, uh, you know, uh, but I'll get it. I already, I did have some coffee. It'll kick in at some point that your beloved may be delivered. You know, there's still the cry there uh, for the beloved to be delivered. Save with your right hand and hear me asking God to save. God, you be the one to save, because if we make man our strength, there's a curse that comes with that, because our hearts depart from the Lord. If we trust in God. Now, now how, how can we do that in our lives? Right? We can be facing a circumstance that, that we need help in. And if we're not willing to go to God and say, God, can you help me with this? I need wisdom from you. I need you to be my strength. And if we say, no, that's good. I'm all set. I don't need that. I can just I can just take care of it this way, you know, and because uh, we, we can rationalize things. Right. You know, and we don't go to the Lord and ask him to do deal with it first. We might make stupid decisions. Right. We, we might make, you know, a, a uh, uh, an impulse purchase saying, well, this happened. I might as well just do this. I can go take out a loan and da, 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 da. I'm like, what were you doing? Dude? You know, have you ever had to do that? Like, look at yourself in the mirror and go, well, that was dumb. Now you're tied to this, you know, especially finances. Man, just jump into something and be like, well, I had the problem. I had to fix it. Well, why not go to God? Like, Lord, I don't know what just happened. What, you know, uh, you know, can, can you help me with this? Can, can you be uh, the one that leads me to make the right decision? You know, if we don't seek his counsel and then we come and make a stupid decision, that's our own fault, Right. You know, and, and, and God will look at us and go, see, if you would have just cried out, if you, you would have, I could have taken care, care of that, taken care of that for you. But sometimes we just say, well, God doesn't care about this minute detail. Well, you know what? If he knows the numbers of hairs on our head, he cares about the details, right? Let I me mean, look at what we studied this morning, right? Where God, uh, God orchestrated uh, that he spoke to Cornelius, right? And he's preparing Cornelius's family and Cornelius's heart for the gospel. And he's working in Peter's life to bring those two together. Like God can work out all that stuff, but I don't think we trust him enough to let him do it, right? We're just like, no, I got it. I got it. I'll take care of this. You know, he's giving me a credit card. I can just go out and buy a car on it. No, that's 25% interest. Don't do that. Or whatever, I don't know, what interest, whatever. But there, there, there are times where in our practical lives where we might not be, you know, facing the same type of thing that David was, but in our practical lives we might be like, why did I make flesh my strength instead of going to God and saying, you know, I, I turn to everybody else but God, right? That's, that's sometimes what we'll do. It's a foolish thing to do. And what it is is it's a departure in our heart from God. Like, oh, like it's, it's separating and, and God's saying, no, 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 no. You don't know how well I know you and I know your, your needs and I'm providing for them and I'm taking care of them here. I just need you to learn from this and turn to me. It's not like God, God's arms are, you know, tied and he's just waiting. Oh, if you have just enough faith, then I can open my hands and I, no, he, he wants our faith to grow. He wants us to trust in him. 
Verse 6, God has spoken in his holiness. I will rejoice. I will divide Shechem and measure out the valley of Succoth. Gilead, this is God's, this is what it's saying. These, these verses here in verse 6, God has spoken in his holiness. So this is, these are things that David is saying, God is saying. I rejoice, I will divide Shechem. I will measure out the valley of Succoth. Uh, Gilead is mine, and Manasseh is mine. Ephraim also is the helmet for my head. Judah is my lawgiver. Moab is my washpot. Uh, over Edom, I will, ca- I will cast my shoe. Uh, Philistia, uh, shout in triumph uh, because of me. Yeah, that's what he's saying here. Is that's those are things that the Lord is saying, uh, not not David. Verse nine: Who will bring me to the strong city? Who will lead me to Edom? Is it not you, O God, who cast us off, and you, O God? who did not go uh, out with our armies. You know, Israel uh, at times experienced defeat because they weren't trusting God or they were being disobedient to God. And they thought we can do this in our own strength, right? And and they'd get a beat down and they'd inquire of the Lord and he would correct them and tell them why. And then he'd tell them what they needed to do next. This is describing that, that same uh, type of scenario. Verse 11 Give us help from trouble, for the help of man is useless. Through God we will do valiantly, for it is he who shall uh, tread down our enemies. That's the proper response, right? So he's saying, yeah, we went through this. We we had these issues, you know. Um, You know, God is declaring that he's in charge of all of these uh, these places that that he mentions. You know, and he's saying, you know, I've got all this and your heart's departing from me. I can control all of this stuff. And your heart's departing from me. And then we look at verse uh, at verse five and verse 11. And if you tie that with uh, what's said in Jeremiah 17, five of, you know, your heart departs from me when you uh, when you try to do these things on your own strength. But when we trust in the Lord and we seek him, that's where we're going to find our victory. Look at verse 11 again. Give us help. From trouble, for the help of man is useless. It's useless, right? I mean, that's that's quite a statement. The help of man is useless. You know that that it, it's an empty help. You know, in in placing our hope in man is emptiness. I think I'd rather have the God of the universe as my help. It says, uh, you know, through God we will do valiantly, for it is He. Who shall tread down our enemies? That's where the victory lies, is in God. You know, so in our lives, in, in battles that we face, in, in things that come up in our lives that are causing uh, stress or, or chaos or whatever it is, we go to the Lord and ask Him to help. We don't sit there and draw out an earthly plan of, hey, this is what we need to do. Quietly sit, go to the scripture, and spend time in prayer, open up the Bible. And read and say, Lord, you know what I'm dealing with. Please speak to me. Okay? Now, in your personal reading, now, if you spin open the Bible and you stop on one page and it's talking about, I don't know, some Levitical law that doesn't seem to apply. Okay? Just go to prayer. Okay? It just If we're, if we're thinking the book is magical, I'm going to take this thing and chuck it up in the air and it's going to land and that's what's going to be said. No. Just go and speak to God and let him speak to us. 
he's going to lead us to his word or he's going to remind us of his word. Guys, this is this is what we need for everything we have in life. You know, God, God has written out everything that we need. You know, you probably heard it's kind of a cheesy thing to say, but Bible basic instructions before leaving earth. You know, those acronyms, I think it's really cheesy. But uh, anyways, I don't even know why I brought that up. But it does give us, you know, when we're looking for a manual for what we're going through, it's found in prayer and in the word, right? It might be found in fellowship where we're reaching out to a brother or sister because God doesn't want us to be Lone Ranger Christians, right? We call out and say, hey, I'm dealing with this. How do I? And, and then seeking the Lord together in prayer. And, and you guys know, you know, I, I, I've dealt with it very, very recently, extremely recently in my life. Just asking God to prepare a situation, take care of a situation for me. And I didn't even have to do anything. It was like, it was like gift wrap. I just went to him and just said, God, would you take care of this for me? And God had the answer right there. It was, it was just gift wrapped. Boom, right in front of me. I'm like, well, there, everything I had prepared, done. I don't even have to do that because it's already been prepared. Better than I ever thought it would have. Even after a you know a conversation in the situation, God just wiped it all out, took care of it. Like, well, I guess I could shred this, <laughs> right? But I know that God taught me a lesson from reading this, and and even even what happened there, just knowing that I heard from Him, I know I did, and God was putting uh, you know putting things on my heart that I needed to discuss, I needed to to. Um, to bring up and, and things that needed to be ironed out and God just took care of it all. He is able to do that. Us in our own wisdom, making flesh our strength is never the best thing for us. It just never is because when we do that, then what happens? Pride grows. I took care of this. I did this. You know, I built this in my life. I, 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 Careful. <laughs> there, there was one in Isaiah 14 that had a whole lot to say about I, right? Yeah, you know, Satan himself cast out of heaven because of the pride in his heart. You know, we would find our victories in life from the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for your word that you speak to us, that you prepare us for what we, uh, we are facing uh, now in our lives uh, or something that might come down the road, uh, years down the road uh, into our lives, that we, uh, we pray, God, that we would trust in you to win the battles for us and uh, not trusting in uh, you, our, our own strength or man's strength or, or systems or whatever it is that we would come to you, our creator, that knows us better than anybody does that we would find victory where we need it in you and trust you that you will take care of every situation in our lives and help us just to trust you enough to lay them at your feet and to come to you and let you work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.